Hi, I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. What happens to moms when the kids are all gone? Literally, the house goes silent in the blink of an eye. You're referred to as an empty nester, and then we start asking ourselves, well, who am I? What am I going to do with myself? Do you even remember the person you were before you had children? And the list of questions goes on and on. It's definitely an adjustment, worse for some, but remember you're not alone. My guest is dedicated to helping women recover from the plethora of emotions that can hit us once the house is empty of all the laughter and chaos. Bobby Chegwin is well-equipped to help women break through challenging life transitions. She's an advanced practitioner of life coaching, practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, which I believe focuses on how we organize our thinking, feelings, and language, but we'll talk more about that with Bobby. And she's also a Reiki practitioner. She's probably one of the most honest and open people you'll meet, and that in turn makes her a perfect partner to help you with moving forward once the kids are gone. There are many levels and depths of emotions that moms experience at this time in their life, and along with Bobby's sense of humor, she will hold your hand and get you through it. In June of 2023, I was a guest on her podcast, Fly Mom Fly. Her jingle says, from emptiness to personal best, fly, mom, fly. And that's the best way to look at this monumental transition in a mother's life. It's a new beginning. Bobby is also an author of the books The Post-Nest Plan for Empty Nest Moms Wondering What's Next, as well as 12 Steps to Self-Empowerment and much, much more. A native to Australia, now living in the States, Bobby Chegwin, it's so nice to have you on Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you, Jackie. I've been looking forward to speaking with you. We did, as I mentioned, get to chat a little while ago, and uh, our seats were reversed, so to speak. <laughs> I was telling about my podcast, and in just a minute, we're going to get into more of the details about how many women you are helping through this really challenging time. Self-identity is like, who am I? What am I doing? All that kind of stuff. But we are going to start off the conversation about talking about your mom and growing up in Australia and what role did your mother play in your life? Yeah, well, you know, first I'll say it's really interesting to be asked about my mother and not just, oh, when did she die? I'm sorry about that. And to bring her back to life. So mum died very suddenly when I was 16. She had a stroke. She was only 55 years old and she left eight children behind. So it's now been over 35 years and it is so wonderful to, as I just mentioned, talk about her, picture her again, remember her. So I really thank you for allowing me to do that. Life in Australia, growing up with my family and my mum and dad, I feel particularly blessed to have had that experience. It was quite a strict household. It had to be. She had eight children and she wasn't one to let things go haywire, so it was well-managed, but with a lot of love. 
Where are you in the line of the siblings? I'm the seventh out of eight, and there are five girls and three boys. And how did you refer to your mom, or or what is her first name, and or what is her first name? Her first name is Leela. And did you call her mom, mommy? What in Australia is there another? Yeah. So when we were little. When we're little, we call them mummy, and that's the M-U-M-M-Y, like the British spelling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I guess when we got into elementary school, which we call primary school, it was just mum. So she was mum. Did your older siblings play a big part in raising the younger ones? Because I'm, I'm the youngest of seven, you're seven of eight. So was it your mom was doing other things and she put the bigger kids to work <laughs> or was she hands-on with all of you? Well, it was a bit of both really. Yes, she did. <laughs> she did um, get the older ones to help out and over the years they've sort of had talks about it saying, oh, you younger girls because the youngest three are all female. You young girls had it so good. We had to do this. We had this chore and that (laughs) chore. And it's funny because by the time we got a little bit older, the some of the older ones had left home. So mum had more time to focus on us. So yeah, they they did have it a bit rough. <laughs> I remember my poor older sister, she used to have to shower um, me and my little sister, and we're probably only four and three. And of course she was developing and we were so I guess, so curious about what was happening to her physical body. So this poor teenager with a budding body is (laughs) kind of ridiculed by preschoolers and she still talks about it to this day. So it does make us laugh. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. My sisters say, we used to have to give you guys baths all the time. Because there's like the older four and then there's the younger three. So it's similar to the you, you as well. I assume your mom did not have a job (laughs) as well, other than the job of managing the kids and the home. Well, interestingly enough, when I was about 14, she purchased a children's clothing shop. We had, there was a shop that used to be run by these two women. And because eight kids and mum was a very friendly person and she made she became good friends with these shop owners and so much so that they used to give mum all these clothes that she could just take from the store bring home we could try them on at home and then we she'd bring them back so there was a a great level of trust obviously and and friendship and then when these ladies were selling mum decided to purchase the store but that's when the youngest would have been about 13 so it was doable and she had that shop for about two years but other than that no she didn't work she was extremely busy raising all of us to start her day would she have tea or coffee wow great question I think they would have coffee. I know mum and dad would get up a lot earlier than the rest of us, well, probably about 5 a.m., and they would sit downstairs in the kitchen and just pretty much be silent with the newspaper, with their breakfast, and their, I'm sure it was coffee. Before the storm. (laughs) Before the storm. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and how at what age did your parents get married? Do you know? Yes, I believe they were both around twenty four. Oh, so they're pretty young, or, yes. or for, for average for that generation, I would assume. Yes. Not average, but acceptably mature and adult, ready for a family of eight. <laughs> and did you guys travel or how did you go and have fun? We would travel, first of all, go up to the north coast uh, from Sydney and then that was for a few years, and then we had a destination on the south coast of Sydney that we'd go to every year. And then when I was maybe about 12 years old, they purchased an apartment up in an area called Port Stephens in New South Wales, north of Sydney. And so we would go up there at about, about once a month for a weekend and then more during the summer school holidays and the end of term school holidays. And mum and dad's best friends from across the road at home, they also had purchased a flat just in the block next to us. And then dad and our neighbours, the father and then another friend all purchased a boat. So we would very much go up there as a few families and meet up and just spend the summers and the special holidays together. It was It was really quite special. So I assume you were a very outdoorsy family, having fun all the time. You were active in the water. Yes, yes. Well, swimming was always a big thing during the summer months. So we had a pool at home and then we'd go to the beach often on weekends. Um, the older girls would play netball, <laughs> which I'm not sure they really have netball over here. It's kind of like basketball, but a little bit different. Women play netball back home. The boys would play cricket and rugby union. And yes, we'd have picnics and go to the playground. It was during the 70s and 80s, obviously, it seems to be a safer time and we would be on our bikes all the time and out for most of the day and riding around our suburb and going to parks and meeting up with people. So it was a pretty idyllic childhood. Magical childhood, free on your bike, you knew when to come home. <laughs> that yes. kind of thing. <laughs> yes. The best, the absolute best. So when it, what was going on in the house when there was schoolwork and things, chores to get done? How, how would your mom wrangle you guys? My mom was always, you got to be part of a team, you know? <laughs> how right. did your mom get stuff done around the house? Well, everything was just a routine. So we kind of grew up knowing what was expected and what had to be done. It wasn't just a change of mind when I was five or something like that. There were routines and there was a time for everything and a place for everything. And that's what we did. And if she needed to remind us, she would remind us. But we kind of knew what was expected because that's all that we had lived with. And I mean... It's pretty interesting now looking at my own home with only two children <laughs> and thinking oh, that our home growing up, it was constantly like a show home. It was pretty strange considering there were so many children, but even things like on our desk in our bedroom, we had the stationery that was part of the look and then anything else had to go in the drawers. It was a very strange experience but it's all I knew 
However, I do now understand overwhelm because a lot of us do overwhelm all the time. And I now know that this is the way that she coped, really instilling in us that everything was going to happen by a certain time and everything had a place and this is where we were going to put it. I mean, even telling us to get into the shower by about 7.30 at night because all those school uniforms, which every school wears in Australia, they all have to be washed. And this is a woman who doesn't want to stay up to midnight washing eight uniforms. So everything was done in a certain way at a certain time so she could keep her head above water. Wow, brilliant. Because if... if we know what the antithesis would <laughs> would be, right? Other sure. chaos, and and I've seen that in in you know my friends' houses growing up, where there were fifteen kids or twelve kids, and it was like, oh my gosh, the laundry was, you know, almost up to the ceiling. So yeah, I guess to have things organized, and um, and man, she was good because she got to bed early. That's brilliant. Because my yeah, mom would stay up all night. That was her little private time, whether she was sewing or studying foreign languages. or she, I don't know how she – my mom never slept. That's amazing. That's, that's pretty amazing, yes. <laughs> and me, what would happen at mealtime? What was that like? Well, she would – so, for instance, breakfast was all laid out for us. We didn't get a choice for breakfast. It was cereal. And that's what we got. And we ate what we were given, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So there wasn't any, oh, what do you want today? It was all all laid out, sorry, I should say, for us. And dinner was always pretty much promptly at 6 o'clock. And we would all either sit at, we had a little breakfast bar that the children would sit at, However, if dad was home and we were eating with dad, we had a bigger dining room table. But she used to get the kids all done first and then dad would come home and they would eat together. So just like they breakfast together, they would eat dinner together. Oh, how civilized. It's amazing. Right? <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, I totally get how you would want some peace and quiet to start and end your day. How did your mom handle a confrontation between siblings? Did she raise her voice, have a temper, or was it, you know, this is how it's going to be and there's no discussion? I think she struggled with it a lot. And with that, I mean, she struggled that there were so many kids and there would be so many fights, especially over trivial things, you know, this is mine, no, it's not yours and that sort of stuff. And she pushed me and she said this bad word. And I know that that sort of thing did my head in when my girls were little. And it was often quite constant, if you can imagine that you have eight kids just bickering over very silly things. And I think it caused her a lot of stress, but she would get cross with us and she would give us of timeouts or whatever and and back then a smack if we needed a smack and that was that was okay but it was more like wait till your father gets home oh. <laughs> and then we knew then we knew we would be in, oh my in God. trouble the yeah. wrath 
Oh, yeah. poor dad. Dad always had to come home and do something right? about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because she had all this other stuff to deal with. It was just like one less thing she'd have to handle. Oh, my gosh. How could you blame any mom for saying oh, right. that? I know. I just All I just remember is that she just looked stressed a lot of the time because and now I know as a as an adult and a mother myself, it must have been so hard. And we as children did not realize what we were doing or what we were creating. And you know, who knows? She died of a stroke and high blood pressure and we'll oh, never I'm know sorry. what implication our behavior had on that outcome. Right. Did she ever take care of herself? Did she ever go see a doctor, anything just for herself? She apparently did six months before she died and she had high blood pressure and she was given medication. But I don't, from what I was told, I don't believe she actually took the medication or was too busy to take the medication or was brushing it off. And yeah, in the end, that that took her. How unfortunate for many reasons. So when you picture your mom now, what do you see? Oh, I definitely see a great supporter in heaven. I have felt her ever since she passed and come to know her differently as I've grown older and become a woman, gotten married, gotten divorced, got married again, become an empty nester and... I really feel like there is someone in spirit really there who is supporting and cheering for us as we travel our life's path. And I assume that each of the siblings had a different relationship your mom with your mother, right? Yeah. Do they yeah. all do they all have the same kind of spiritual connection with her or do some of them follow in your path as far as the relationship that you still have with your mom because my mom is very much alive to me still today i it's funny some of them no longer believe in god <laughs> mm -hmm. which is strange as we well maybe not strange because we grew up in a catholic family and we went to mass every sunday received all the sacraments and i know that a couple of them have turned their back on that I don't consider myself Catholic. I consider myself a believer in God and a spiritual person, but I don't go to Mass or anything like that any longer. So as far as it goes, what their connection is, I know a couple of them don't think there is one, that it's impossible, and then others do and maybe receive whatever they need to in their own ways. Mm-hmm. The older siblings stepped in even more once you're, I mean, obviously your father's role changed drastically. You're only 16, but the yeah. older siblings had to have taken over a lot of responsibility or were they gone? They're all out of the house. They were gone from the home. So the oldest living at home then was maybe about 21, 20, oh, I'd say 21. And then there was dad. So he had four left at home. And then dad became, over time, both mother and father. So he was fantastic, a great support for another 35 years um, and was just this beacon of <laughs> hope and guidance and support. Um, yeah, he was pretty incredible. It's not to say that he didn't suffer greatly when mum died. He did. 
and he remarried four years after mum died and had another marriage that was 231 years in length. But even towards the end, you know, when he and he was still, you know, fully there and all that sort of thing, he would there would be tears in his eyes when he would talk about mum. So he oh, truly God. missed her for all those years <laughs> and and loved and had uh, had great company in his new wife and she's a wonderful woman but it was just the grieving for this woman that was taken away too soon that really stuck with him. Oh, that's very hard. But I admire him for moving forward with his life because your mother would want that and continuation of living and life. So yeah, your dad, that must have been a big role to fill. And I'm happy that he moved forward and found somebody else. Me too. Was your mom affectionate? Did she ever have time to just give you a big, huge hug if you were upset about something and comfort you? Or was it more often than not, okay, you're fine. Someone else is hanging from a balcony or something. I think it was probably a bit of both. There are one-on-one times that I remember with her that have stuck in my mind. And she was always very loving, but at the same time, she was very much focused on the house and and the children as a whole, as a collective. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah, but definitely loving and not constantly affectionate but I you know those times where you you know it's there even if it's not physical you're feeling it anyway yeah yes absolutely and that's part of being a mom that magic of being able to touch and reach out so many of your children at once and hopefully you get it right right or at least you try you try and get it right Layla what a beautiful name and mummy I love that mummy mummy did your girls call you mummy? Well, I still refer to myself as mummy with them just to tease them. They're now 20 and 24. Right. And and they're living back in Sydney whilst I'm in the US. But I will refer to myself as like lots of love mummy um, just to put myself back in to that, I guess, time when, remember when we were little and you needed me and... Yeah. It was all just wonderful, but it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a running joke between us. But yes, I will refer to myself as Mummy when I'm signing off. Oh, good, good, good. Oh my god! You had to experience this empty nest syndrome as so many moms, millions of moms all over the world. And your podcast, Fly Girl Fly, you've been helping so many people. Your website is The Inspired Empty Nest. So if anyone's interested in getting in touch with Bobby and Chegwin is C-H-E-G-W-Y-N. Bobby Chegwin and Bobby is with an I, B-O-B-B-I. But we do have a couple minutes left and I want to make sure we talk about your podcast and how you were motivated to reach out. Was it because of your experience and you said, I have to start talking about this. I've always really enjoyed talking to people and speaking with an audience. And I find through the spoken word, I can maybe connect better with people. I had this group and this growing group of women, and my mission is to reach as many women as possible, whether it's through the Facebook group, the website, the book, or the podcast. And the podcast is 
a great way for me to be able to connect with other women when it's easy for them because they can press play when they need to. My mission with all of this is that no empty nest mum is left behind. I It makes me feel sick to think that there may be women out there who have lost connections with people and they're now remote parenting. They have lost their purpose. They feel strange, like maybe their friends don't understand them and they are wondering, what do I do with the next 40, 50 years of my life? It's very difficult in the beginning for a lot of women to be, and men, but I focus on women, to be away from their children. There is a big grief and loss process that we go through and I'm just making it my aim to make sure as many women as possible know that there is help and support and connection out there for them. When I mentioned in my introduction, you're very open and honest. And I think that is so welcoming for people who are struggling. And I must applaud you for that because that doesn't come easily for everyone or anyone because you you someone said, oh, why don't you do a podcast? And within like days, you had your podcast up and running, which is <laughs> very impressive. And your, your website and your podcast are very thorough, lots of information and your background is just incredible. You have a lot to offer people. So again, I applaud you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. And how did you have time to write a book? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, well, I it was actually first written as a course. So I had all the material there. And then I, when I finished that, I thought, oh no, 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 this needs to be a book. Someone needs to hold it in their hand and again, work through it at their own pace. And it would be better if they had something that they could scribble in and highlight words and put in their handbag and take it with them somewhere. So, yeah, it was first a course, then written into a book, and that's how it came about. And the book, again, is called The Post-Nest Plan for Empty Correct. Nest Moms Wondering What's Next. Again, I want to say it's Fly Mom Fly is the name of your podcast. And I encourage everyone to give it a listen. And it's really fun. And she talks about anything and everything related to emotions and diet and how things affect you and nutrition and the people that have worked with her and how it's changed their lives. And don't ever think that as a mom or a woman, you don't have anyone to reach out to because Bobby is absolutely brilliant. You're very kind. You're very kind. Thank you so much. It's just always weird when someone says stuff like that about you. It's like, oh, hang on. Okay. <laughs> no, because it's true. And, and especially as women and moms, sometimes we're overwhelmed and we think, oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're on course. We're, we're okay. But we all need help. And it's, it's a good thing to, to reach out for help. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Bobby Chegwin, it's a pleasure having you on the show. And I really loved hearing about Layla and Mummy. So thank you for sharing your story on Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you, Jackie. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Should Have Listened to My Mother. <laughs>